Hey kiddos, welcome to Dad Feelings, the podcast about fictional father figures and real life dads with real feelings. And I am so, so excited this week because last week, you may remember, I sort of did a deep dive into the Steam store results. I just sort of started typing words like dad and daddy in and and sort of just saw what happened. And things did get a little weird, but we went on this journey together as a family. And I think we, we built a lot of character together. But I did leave out one very, very important listing from those search results. Um, and you may have noted the conspicuous absence of Dream Daddy, uh, the the dad dating sim sensation that's sweeping the nation. And I am so excited this week that I am joined by Dream Daddy co-creators Vernon Shaw and Leighton Gray. And um, they are here with me in, uh, well, not physically, I was going to say in spirit, that's not quite right either, <laughs> through the miracle <laughs> of technology. And we are going to talk about Dream Daddy. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having us. This is like one of my favorite podcasts and we listen to it a lot uh, writing this game. So this is awesome. Oh man, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Wait, you listened to the show while you were writing the game? Yeah, I um, I read a lot of books about parenting and fatherhood and the role of the father in culture and gay dads. Uh, and another, I was just taking like copious notes on uh, just how we view fathers. And I think that's kind of when I stumbled upon this podcast. Um, so yeah, it was really uh, a, a nice little guiding thing when trying to like figure out these characters and their stories. That's amazing. I'm like so honored to have contributed in like some small part to this project. <laughs> and I did want to just start off by asking, how did this, how did this game come about? Um, because it's just, the reception has been so amazing. Um, I think you upended uh, Overwatch as like uh, the number one. I, I I saw some search result that was like, oh, Dream Daddy has overtaken Overwatch on Tumblr as like the number yeah, one yeah. fan. Yeah, I, I, I read that last night. It was um it was a uh, really insane to see, especially I was like a very avid Overwatch player. Um, yeah. uh, it was it was an honor. I don't know how long we're gonna stay on top of <laughs> Overwatch, but but it, even to just do it for a week is is an honor. It's incredible. So yeah, I'm curious. Um, how did this all come together? So about a year and a half ago, um, to preface, I go to art school. Um, I'm currently coming at you from the library of my art school that I had to sneak into because my student ideas expired. Um, and going to art school, like I'm just kind of surrounded by artists who are really into fursonas and gemsonas and really any other uh, extension of your personality that you could possibly draw. Uh, and it kind of seemed like the natural extension of that, of like what other types of sonas could you have? Um, and all my friends call me dad wear a lot of Hawaiian shirts and I make terrible jokes all the time. So that kind of seemed like the natural progression. Um, And from there, I was just kind of drawing my dad's Sona and thinking like, I really wish that there was a game where you could build your own dad and then date other dads. And uh, I was so sure that it had to already be a thing. And when I Googled it and found out that it wasn't, I was like, oh, okay. So I guess I have to make this thing now. Um, And that idea just kind of got put on the back burner for a really long time. And I was in LA where Vernon lives um, and Vernon and I have been internet friends for a long time and we were hanging out and uh, Vernon, you want to tell this part of the (laughs) story? Uh, We were were going to Disneyland and um, I don't know if you might be familiar with this, Merit, the the Instagram account Dils of Disneyland. 
I am not familiar with this account. Oh, wow. I'm about to blow your mind. There's an Instagram account specifically dedicated to finding and rating the hot dads of Disneyland. <laughs> That's incredible. It's uh, it's one of my favorite accounts. Um, and um, on the way to Disneyland, Leighton had um, uh, sort of offhandedly mentioned to me the idea of like a dating simulator where you play as a dad and your goal is to meet and romance other hot dads. And um, the more we kicked around that idea, the more it seemed like an actually good idea. So we spent the entirety of Disneyland like in, in lines for various rides, thinking about the sort of dads we would want to date and what a dating simulator for um, those dads would look like. Yeah, so I, we came up with like most of those dads and a lot of the major plot points on the first day. So we were immediately like, okay, we need to have a bad dad who wears a leather jacket and loves whiskey. And we need to have a cool youth minister dad. And I'm pretty sure we came up with goth dad in the line for the haunted mansion. <laughs> Yeah, um, I kept uh, I kept yelling. Um, I've abandoned my boy. My, well, like I've abandoned no, my child. Because like, to be yeah. clear, you were doing the Damien voice and going, "I've lost my son, Lucian." <laughs> Which I lost my son is maybe one of the worst things you could scream at the top of your lungs at Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, as a like. Um, uh, by the end of the day, we had had sort of an idea of what we wanted to do for a video game, um, and we just started. Um, uh, outlining the game and Leighton started designing the characters and um, so I work with the Game Grumps, they're a YouTube channel um, uh, but in addition to that they're also like um, they're a semi-animation studio but also a uh, they have two musical comedy acts and we're doing live touring right now so like the cool thing about Game Grumps is just sort of like the strange little artist collective and when you come to them with an idea um uh, they really help support ideas. So Leighton and I put together an entire thing for this game and we brought it to the Game Grumps and we were like, hey, we think this is a good thing. And after explaining the whole idea to them, they uh, not only agreed to uh, produce uh, the game and fund the game, but also uh, voice several of the dads as well. <laughs> and when I say voice, it's uh, like 90% of the voices in this game are just like dad grunts in the affirmative and negative. So it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, um, that is very dating sim, though. I mean, like the sort of voice acting as punctuation. And I'm curious, like, do you do you, either of you have like a lot of experience with the dating sim genre? Um, we played a bunch as research. And uh, prior to that, I think I'd only really played Hatchful Boyfriend, uh, which definitely kicked off the whole silly uh, concept dating sims. So we ended up playing like Rose of Winter, Lady Killer in a Bind, Katawa Shoujo, uh, Hotful Boyfriend, obviously, Asago Academy, um, Honey Pop. Like, I think one of my favorites was uh, We Know the Devil. Oh, yeah. We Know the Devil is like the best. Um, but yeah, we were just taking notes on like what a lot of the most commonly used tropes were and like how we could possibly subvert that or improve upon uh, the kind of trappings of the genre. Yeah. I mean, there are a few things that I noticed having played some of those games myself. Um I think one of the most common tropes in dating sims, at least in like hetero dating sims, is that like what where you're playing a male character is that the character is a cipher or a blank slate and often doesn't even have facial features like their face is just covered in shadow um, mm-hmm. and just has no relationship to anyone has maybe moved to a new school um, is like in a new location maybe has family members, although often not even that. Um, and that very much is about letting the player feel like maybe they are embodying that character. And what's interesting to me about this game is that while there is that element 
of customizability that actually I do want to come back to you because it's a really big part of the game, I think. Um, this is very much a character who has like an established uh, family. And I almost felt more like I was guiding the character or like making decisions in a narrative. And I wasn't necessarily embodying this person, but I was like, oh yeah, that would, I think that that would be good for this guy. I think it would be good for him to like get out there, you know? Was that a conscious choice to sort of like move away from that trope of just like, you're a faceless dad. I think, um, and I want to let Vernon talk about this because he has some strong feelings about it, uh, that we when we started writing this, uh, we were trying to do a bit of a blank slate character. But um, the more that we were writing it, I think that especially having a relationship with your daughter that's so defined and also the relationships with the other characters in the game, it would have been impossible to have a completely blank character because so much of Amanda's personality is informed by the player dad's personality Mm -hmm. and how you interact with her. Um, So over time, like player dad just kind of uh, developed from, you know, just kind of a plain character to some to someone who's like very genuine and kind and well-intentioned, but a little bit bumbling and maybe not the smartest person in the world. Um, But Vernon, if you want to talk about like uh, how this ties into your feelings on Twilight. (laughs) Okay, so I've I've like I've shout ranted at this at um I shout ranted this at Leighton on more than one occasion and um it's the idea of like I was reading Twilight uh years ago, um uh and there's a scene (laughs) where uh, where Edward Cullen is sitting in a car with Bella Swan and then Bella Swan narrates and then Edward Cullen um uh took my favorite cd and put it into the radio uh, the, the cd player and then we listened to it and it was good um and <laughs> i don't know why that stuck with me for so long um but it just it was just like oh man tell me you're into radiohead or something like just give me something <laughs> to work with because like um like i understand what you're trying to do is like create a, a character that you can project upon um, but at the same time, like, I think that like a lot of comedy is strong, specific decisions and to say like, um, my favorite band instead of, I don't know, um, uh, uh, worldwide bestselling emo punk rock band, My Chemical Romance, it, it like just isn't as funny. And like, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, just like quick shout out to, to Lana Del Rey. Like what video game were you playing? Was it Metroid? <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah. So like, I, I think to, to Layton's point, um, you know, like we went into this wanting to create a character that she could project upon, but I think that there's some like, uh, universal character traits to this character, both as a person and as a dad that people are able to relate to. And I think that was hopefully the, the best marriage of the two of a character who is a bit of a blank slate, but can still make dad jokes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get a sense that this is a real person and not just like an avatar for you to project yourself into. But also you do sort of like everyone's dad is going to be a little different. And it, it does remind me in a sense of um, of the one game that you mentioned earlier, Lady Killer in a Bind, where Christine has talked about how um, the beast is always like the beast, the main character of that game. But like the way that that character sort of comes out um comes across to other people or interacts with other people is going to be a little different from game to game yeah absolutely so i think that does go some way towards addressing this question like that that idea of having a blend between player input and established character but i'm curious how you navigated the whole issue of 
uh, it feeling kind of surface level or um, even maybe exploitative? Because I know you said before you did a lot of research, so maybe you can talk about that a bit more. But I think um, it would have been very easy for a game like this to come across as like solely jokey or like even kind of like, yeah, like, you know, uh, exploitative. Um, going into this, I think we were both really acutely aware of, aware of, um, how sense like the level of sensitivity that we needed to have. Um, and my fear for this year and a half, uh, with our plan to market this, like a silly dating sim was that people were going to perceive it as a big gay joke. And, um, as a queer woman, like, I think, you know, we're so tired of the same thing over and over, whether it's just like stories where there's one queer character, the queer character dies, or it's just angsty or something that's like really actually turning things into a big gay joke. So I think it was important for us, neither of us being gay men to trust other people to know how to do the stuff that we didn't know how to do. So that involved talking to a lot of friends, consulting with people, doing research, reading books, Um, and ultimately, you know, playing the game, you can see that so much of this just comes from a place of positivity and, um, an attempt to, for players who maybe aren't in the LGBT community to normalize these kinds of relationships and show that, you know, they're just as fulfilling and loving and caring of, as, you know, a straight relationship could be. Um, so yeah, when we announced this game and there was a bit of backlash because people were like, this looks like a big gay joke. Uh, like my heart was breaking that week just cause so many people were tweeting me like, I want so badly to be excited for this game, but I'm really scared about it. Um, it was, uh, really upsetting and hard for me to not personally respond to every single person. Like, mm-hmm. I promise you it's not. I think, uh, Leighton and I were co-reading a lot of the same books, but I think very late in the game, I came across probably my favorite piece of material regarding this. And I think that was, uh, this, this manga called my brother's husband. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god yes um, oh it's phenomenal yeah it's by um, what's his name uh, Gengoro Tagame it's like one of his works that is not like extremely pornographic <laughs> yeah the, the thing about that was that it was a very extraordinarily meaningful and heartfelt story but at the same time those characters took really long showers <laughs> like panels and panels worth of showers but yeah so like that, that sort of um, uh, it, 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 it came uh it came out uh, sort of like really close to the end of the writing development of the game. And I wish it had come out sooner because it sort of, I think, hit the exact sort of stride of um, of um, what we were trying to do uh, with our own script of, of the sort of like wholesomeness or the sort of sincerity that, that came out of it. And I think uh, there's a lot of parallels in, in sort of like a Barra author doing um, a wholesome story with uh, us writing a game that, Uh, was meant to look really goofy, but I hope had an emotional core. Yeah, and I think it absolutely did. I was able to actually play through um, a full run of the game this morning. um, And I was like, really surprised by how quickly I was like, just drawn in. I mean, I expected to, to laugh, and I definitely did. But I had like this really, like the relationship between the dad and Amanda, your daughter, is like so well done, and like, for it was a surprisingly big part of of the game for me. Wow, thank you. Um, yeah, that relationship is really important to me, and uh, is actually a really direct parallel of my relationship with my father. Um, 
And, you know, it was just kind of revisiting that really scary summer between me graduating high school and going off to college, which wasn't that long ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, just growing up with, you know, just a single parent, um, and having gone through like so much hardship together, like that bond becomes really strong. And as the child, you end up growing up really quickly and kind of feeling like you need to suppress your own emotions just to kind of stay strong for the other person in the equation. Um, so yeah, there's just so much, there, there are aspects of both Vernon and I's personalities and our experiences in every single one of the characters paths. Um, but I think mine is really reflected most strongly in Amanda and, uh, player dad. To sort of jump off of that, I think, um, the important part for me writing this was that, um, as a single guy with no kids, um, but you know, like as an aspiring one day father, um, I think, um, what I was able to contribute in our co-writing partnership was the idea that like, uh, I don't know, I think constantly about what it means to be a good father or what it means to, um, uh, care for someone. And Layton and I talk about this frequently. Um, so I guess in a sense, this was like, this was us writing a caring fatherhood fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, talk about video games being spaces for fantasy right and like talk about like talk about like this real intense <laughs> for, for fantasy. a healthy relationship yeah yeah that is oh man um and one thing that i really like about that relationship in the game is that it isn't like a lot of fatherhood depictions that i've seen in video games so um i um i've done a few episodes of this show on dads and games and most often, to my mind, like the way that that seems to work is that um, you're a dad whose family or kids are being threatened in some way. And that's sort of your motivation to kill a bunch of people um, mm-hmm. in, in very sort of much the taken kind of mode. Um, or you're trying to like find your father or whatever. Um, but here it's like Amanda isn't like an obstacle or like an objective or really like any of those things she's just sort of another character who like has her own stuff going on and like um you don't need to like i think maybe some people's impulses when when playing it are to like be very very protective and like that isn't always actually the right answer though yeah um so was that something you looked at like did you play other games or did you look at other games that had dads in them Um, not necessarily to inform this. Uh, I definitely have played a lot of other games that have like those sort of father daughter relationships and they, they never do feel like, um, the actual lived experience, you know? Um, and of course, along with Amanda being in the game, like there are a lot of other daughters and their fathers in the game. Craig has three daughters and Brian has Daisy and Matt has Carmen Sita. Um, so it was diff- different, like, variations on this same sort of relationship, just at different stages. So, like, um, did you did you date Brian, or, like, have you seen any of his path at all? Um, I did not date Brian, no. Okay, so the thing with Brian's path is, like, Daisy is essentially, uh, his 10-year-old daughter is, like, a younger version of Amanda, um, mm-hmm. who's also, like, really smart, and Brian brags about how smart his daughter is a lot. Um, but if you date Brian, you kind of have this weird rivalry going on while your daughters are kind of bonding over, um, just really getting along Daisy, having like an older, uh, like female presence in her life who she can look up to and Amanda feeling a need to be like sisterly and kind of a mentor to Daisy, um, and kind of encouraging her to not, uh, kind of go through what Amanda didn't grow up too fast. 
Uh, but um, to, to, I, guess, I guess to jump off of that, I think it's um, uh, as evidenced by your last episode of this podcast. I think it's just a really hot time for dads and video games right now. I think that um, you know, like big shout out to Last of Us, one of my favorite games for. Uh, I, I suppose like putting dadness into uh, into the, the, the game sphere, right? Um, but I, I'd actually never heard it uh, put that way where, um, I don't know, it means a lot to hear that like we, we put a healthy father-daughter relationship in this game. And I think um, a lot of that is sort of due to the tropes of dating simulators. Um, I think a big trope of a dating simulator is that you always have a companion character uh, to show you around the um, to show you around the new academy and introduce you to all the boys you get to date, <laughs> but um, you know, like when Leighton and I initially started writing this game, we kind of realized that like that companion character uh, should be your daughter, and I think I think that uh, that made the relationship feel very real to us. Yeah, no, that is it's such a smart blending of that content of of like a, a parent relationship with that trope of the dating sim. Um, and uh, another thing I'm curious about with, with those tropes is like uh, dating sims often have this trope of like the bad end. Right. Um, and sometimes that means that you just like don't end up with the person that you're, you're pursuing. Sometimes it means that you die. Um, and <laughs> there are three death states in this game. <laughs> yeah. You can die. You can die on three different dates. <laughs> Um, so, so that was that something that you wanted to have in like some, some kind of like nods to the, to that kind of trope? So yeah, dating sims, uh, are kind of notorious for having, um, some bad endings and we wanted to make it feel like you actually had agency in this game, obviously. So it is possible to get a variety of different endings with each of the dads. And, um, it's interesting because the thing that I've been messaged and tweeted at about the most is, uh, Joseph's endings. Because essentially you can get um, two different endings, or I guess three, based on if you're like his friend. So one of them is where um, you go on your boat date and you have sex on the yacht and whatever. And then he kind of uh, is trying to maneuver to let you be his side piece while he stays Mm -hmm. in his marriage with Mary. And the best ending that you can get, which is the good ending that you get the pinup for, is when uh, he kind of comes to you and is like this made me realize that I just need to make this work out uh, with Mary and uh, it, it's what's best for me and what's best, best for the kids. And I'm sorry for dragging you into this. Um, and I love that ending. <laughs> uh, there's, uh, and a lot of people have been really upset by that. And um, which is super interesting to me because when we wrote this path, I was so concerned that the hot discourse was going to be that it was encouraging cheating or that it was like too morally dubious and all that jazz. <laughs> but instead people are like, why can't I break up his marriage? <laughs> we deserve a good ending with him. Why won't you let him be happy? <laughs> um, and there's another dating sim that we mentioned earlier, Rose of Winter, that I really love. That's like just so charming and cute. But one of the um, paths in that game uh, with like the little tiny elf guy, Faulkner, you can't get a good, en- or you, yeah, you just can't get a good ending with him. Either he starts to run away with you uh, to get out of his arranged marriage, and then he's like, ah, I can't do this, or he's just straight up like, I can't do this. And either way, it's like really heartbreaking and sad. And when I played that game, I had just gone through like just a really shitty breakup that kind of had a lot of similar themes. And that ending was just like a punch in the stomach, and it stuck with me for so long. Um, that just like this really cutesy game that took me an hour to play would just like 
mess me up so badly for a while and like really make me think about, you know, a lot of times in real life relationships, you could fall really hard for somebody and think they're really great, but like also they're shitty and it doesn't work. Like you liking someone a lot isn't always going to make a relationship work. And um, that was kind of the inspiration for the Joseph ending uh, that I'm really happy with. And people keep saying like, oh, it's bugged because I can't get a good ending. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't, there's, there's with this character and this community and this story, I don't think there could feasibly be a better ending than this one. Yeah, it was important to us that, um, you know, the, the concept of a good ending wasn't like, um, wasn't, you know, riding off into the sunset for each and every character. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think we did something similar with Robert in the fact that, um, spoilers, if you, if you get a good ending with uh, with him, he tells you that he needs a little time and a little space to figure things out because maybe like because him as a character, he has a lot to figure out. Um, uh, and I think that was really really important because I don't I don't think that feasibly character wise, Robert could drop out of everything and like jump into your arms. And um, I, I I really hope that the fans of this game understand that relationships aren't easy and. Uh, we wanted to reflect that in the writing of this game. Yeah, and I think another side of that is that it does, having endings that are like a little bit unsatisfying in that way, I kind of wanted to encourage more fan content. So like mm. the fact that Robert is like, hey, I need some time to work things out, but eventually I'm going to be ready. And then you're like, you'll know where to find me. Um, and also with the Joseph one, like even going on AO3, like a ton of people have rewritten the endings or just you know, kind of written their idea of what might happen next. And I think that's really interesting of just letting the player kind of take that into their own hands because I I get really tired of, um, you know, romantic media ending when the relationship begins Mm -hmm. um, because I think it sets up kind of a false expectation for like, ah, okay, so this like feeling of this relationship starting is going to carry through the the rest of the relationship and everything will be fine. And I think there's so much more interesting stuff that happens once that honeymoon period is over. But, you know, it it does let people kind of tell their own story from that point on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's a really common problem of the ways that romance mechanics have been implemented in a lot of games is that you basically are presented with this array of people. And it's expected that if you put enough time in and you pick all of the obviously right choices, you're going to get the achievement for for getting together with them. Um, so like Bioware games are like a pretty big offender in this respect. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I, if I want to romance someone in a Bioware game, I just say all the things they want to hear. And I'm basically playing a sociopath and like, they are <laughs> going to sleep with me at the end. Like that's how it, how those systems work. And like, I think those systems have sort of maybe led people to expect that like, Oh, if, if these people are presented as prospects to me in this game, then I will be able to get a satisfactory ending with them, whether that means having sex with them or like getting together with them. It's the it's the Sims thing, right? It's the 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 compliment compliment hug 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 flirt <laughs> kiss woohoo thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, totally feel you. To jump onto that, I was going through the AO3 tag and I saw that somebody had tagged, uh, they had like rewritten the Joseph path and they tagged it something like, and I wrote it so you get the good ending that we were promised when we bought this game. And I was like, where did we promise you a good ending? Like, (laughs) this is, this is, you know, if you want a good ending, date these six other or the five other dads with like really happy endings, like relationships are complex 
that's how they work. <laughs> like I, I, um, I'm just like so much more interested in that than like, ah, oh, you said all the correct things and now we're together forever and it's amazing. Yeah. And I was actually surprised while I was playing, um, that I, there were several times where I said what I thought would be the correct thing, but I was actually wrong. And I was like, oh, that is like the kind of mistake that like a person could feasibly make. And like, like you could say some, you could be well-meaning and say something like, oh, you should totally go, Matt, you should totally, like, I guess the spoilers, you should get <laughs> oh, up on that no, stage. Oh no, not day three, no. <laughs> I was yeah, like, you, you should no. get up on that stage. So many people do that. And uh, he was just like, oh, and then it's like, oh, the last time you did, it was like before your wife passed away. Oops. Um, I did oh, geez, get, I did buddy. get a good ending though. I did get the okay, good okay, ending great. with him because I was so good. Did you good. say along for the ska portion? Um. I, 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 I am sorry I didn't. Um, <laughs> That's quite wow. all right. It doesn't, it doesn't have any bearing to the game. We kind of, uh, I, I think we kind of put that in there as a nod to Let's Players. I yeah um, I think no, the, honestly I, that's, that's what most of the mini games are. We just wanted people to be silly and have fun and have yeah, a little break from reading. Yeah, they were really cute. I love them. Um, I love just smashing that keyboard. Um, you could just feel the desperation. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I'm playing something. Um, but I did like I I made a few wrong choices at, at times. Um, and like mostly just trying to be really nice and supportive. But like not realizing that this character had something else going on, and there was maybe a reason that they weren't responding well to that kind of encouragement. Um, nonetheless, I did like I did get the like, good ending with Matt, which was really satisfying. Um, but yeah, the- Matt's Matt's a very near and dear character to our hearts. Um, <laughs> because he's your self insert. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because I, I know I know I say that a bunch in, in interviews, like, oh, this is like this is like, exactly like dating me, which honestly it kind of is. All I do is just like recommend people music incessantly and then go to shows. Um, but um, but I think uh, Matt was the character that we figured out last. Uh, we fi- we actually figured him out first, and then uh, his date path just never, ever, ever, ever felt right until like the the last maybe month of writing when Layton and I had a breakthrough, and we kind of realized that like, oh, that's why he's not working. There's no conflict in this character. He's just recommending you music, um, <laughs> uh, which is. Uh, uh, my own personal trapping that I'm trying to work on, but um, I think when we realized that he was a sort of this like vessel to talk about uh, mine and Layton's uncomfortability with existing, um, <laughs> uh, he, uh, he really became three dimensional, and um, I'm so proud to see people responding to that and t- to see people um, relating to a character like Matt who um who doesn't consider himself an introvert and doesn't consider himself an extrovert and only sees himself as whatever combination of that makes you uncomfortable in all situations always (laughs) i loved it because like the first that scene where um you go out to a show with him and like your character's like wow he seems like so comfortable he seems to know everyone here and then he's like oh hey everyone what's up and then like you're talking to him and he's like i'm terrified of all these people (laughs) Yeah, that's very real. I think Vernon and I, um, just both very, very anxious people, but, um, we can turn it on when we want to. And then like the moment we get out of an interview or in a podcast, we're both just like, oh, I need to go lie down now. It's, it's the, um, um, and I will say that this is, this is easily, uh, one of the most soothing, uh, interviews I've ever had. So thank you for this. Like, I feel very yeah. comfortable right now, but, uh, I think it's the, the sort of like the dilemma of the going to a barber. Um, and sitting down and then having good like real good conversation for five minutes and then being stuck in the barber chair that's the thing um 
Vernon, you said that that character was was in part based on some of your proclivities. Um, are any of the other characters like I know, generally speaking, you know, fictional characters are pastiches of like a lot of different people, you know, and fictional characters and, and tropes. But like, um, are there any other characters that were prompted by by certain tropes or events? I know you also said that you came up with the idea for um one character in line for the haunted house ride at Disneyland. Were there any other characters like that? Well, the way we broke Joseph was um, uh, Leighton forced me to listen to uh, Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville uh, end to end over and over again, 37 times. And I, I, was, say- I was like, this is going to be a great story for when the game is out. And he was like, I hate you. And I was like, you'll see, you'll all see. But I want like Meredith, I want you to know that around listen 15 is, um, is when we had our breakthrough where we realized that Margaritaville was not a happy song. Um, It's not a relaxing song. And if you look into the lyrics and honestly, like I'm really, cause I went, I went to like genius.com to look at the lyrics and no one had, no one uh, to my knowledge has done an in-depth breakdown of the um, almost hotel California esque um, Mm. uh, metaphors uh, inside of Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. But that is a deep, deep song about yeah. fear and regret and uh, uh alcoholism. Feel, and li- mm-hmm. al- alcoholism a life of complacency um and that's sort of how we came up with the margarita's own con- concept that exists in joseph's story path and the larger overarching themes of you essentially being joseph's margarita's own which is an impossible ideal and uh yeah there there's some larger themes that like i'm the other thing that bothers me about people asking for a good ending is it's like it's we we wrote this whole thing about how this is margaritaville like we we intentionally put some very strong themes about how you can't be together in this path like, listen to me mary the, the last the last lines of margaritaville are some people say that there's a woman to blame and i know it's my own damn fault and that is <laughs> that, like that that's literally the storyline yeah wow sorry i got real heated Incredible. about jimmy buffett no Same. please Please, it, it triggers yeah. a physical like fight or flight stress response in me every time I hear that song now. Like I can be in public and I'm like, well, I gotta go. <laughs> but I think to to answer your question, like I uh it's really interesting because based on the numbers that we have on like stats from Unity on this game, uh Hugo is by far the least popular dad. Huh. Um and we were basing his character off of, you know, every single dating sim I feel like has that really bookish, nerdy character. Yeah. And uh, he is that on the surface, but literally his whole path is about how there's more to him than that. And he feels like he can't really uh, express his true interests because everyone expects him to be so buttoned down. And there's some of my um, favorite so days, I, to be honest. Yeah, they're really, really good and sweet. Um, if I do say so myself, <laughs> uh, they're, they're very nice. And um, I think, you know, with Goth Dad, I thought it would be really funny for this dating sim that is largely... Um, you know, dads to just like pick a character right out of like mm-hmm. a very anime esque dating sim, you know, and just drop mm-hmm. him in this setting and kind of see how uh, he would interact with other characters. Um, yeah, and, and people seem to respond to him. People responded to Damien probably the most uh, uh, the most excitedly that I've seen of most of the dads, and I, that's just really really cool to me. To, because like Damien was such a fun character to write because it was it was literally us um, uh, googling Victorian stuff and then, <laughs> and then and then and then uh, reading it to each other in the most smug way possible and then finding a way to insert that into the game. Amazing. 
Amazing. Uh, it was really interesting writing Damien because when we went into it, the initial idea for his character was like, oh, haha, like he's a goth dad, but it's only because his son is goth and like he wants to relate to his son, but has like a core misunderstanding of what the goth movement is. <laughs> but as we started writing him, uh, we kind of realized just that there was so much more to him than that. And it would be so much more interesting if it was something that he was just so genuinely invested in. Uh, and he turned out to be like the most charming, like, sweet and passionate character in the game like he's my favorite uh vernon do you have a favorite i know it's like asking you to pick your favorite children in a way but um uh i think i've spent most time on the brian mini golf game mm-hmm. i still haven't gotten all 18 uh we we um we brought on a bunch of cool developers uh again thanks to the help of game grumps they they helped us build a development team around this the game was directed by this uh really dear friend of mine his name's tyler hutchinson but he brought on this awesome team of people um, and tasked several of them with creating just really hard mini games or really um, <laughs> like when we were sitting down and talking about the mini games, um, the agreements was that um, every mini game had to be um, something that made you laugh or mm-hmm. something that, that, that um, was a dad joke. Like it, it wasn't necessarily about originality in the mini game as well, as much as like producing like a dad related laugh. So like in one of Brian's mini games, like you, um, you as a character do not know how to fish, um, uh, but you brag to Brian that you do know how to fish and you find yourself on a boat in a lake fishing with him. Um, so it cuts to a mini game, which is a match three style, like bejeweled kind of game <laughs> where instead of orange diamonds or red diamonds, uh, you're matching a bunch of fish that look alike. Um, uh, and it is one of the most frustrating games I've ever played in my life. And I think that's They, they all look exactly like each other. <laughs> It's yeah. the worst. I hate it. It has these little bubbles that pop up. So like every single time you think you're spotting things, like it completely messes up your vision. Um, it's like a ma- one of those magic eye piles- puzzles where you cross your eyes and you see a plane. But like with this, you cross your eyes and you just want to punch mm-hmm. a hole in a wall. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, the, mi- the mini game was, I think, the toughest one where you brag to Brian that you can get a hole in one in every shot. And then you play an 18 hole mini golf game trying to get a hole in one in every shot. And it is... Um, Real rage inducing. Um, yeah, the, whole, but- the whole point with those two mini games is like they're supposed to be impossibly hard and make you as the player feel completely incompetent in relation to Brian's ability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to that point, um, to, to, to your question, actually, um, I think uh, we must have had the most fun um, writing Robert's playthrough. Um, um, because like uh, a lot of Robert's characters just making up stories. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, I think that's where Leighton and I's like co-writing partnership really, um, started like congealing into this like real three dimensional thing where one of us would write the setup to it, to a joke with a long fake story and the other would write the punchline. Um, yeah. So like Robert's whole character really came out of this one interaction that we wrote during the cookout. Um, we had already written the scene where you meet him at the bar and you can hook up and we were just like, okay, we're going to keep him mysterious and cool. Um, but at the cookout, uh, if you talk to him and you didn't sleep with him, he tells you this, he tells you and Brian this story about, uh, how he went camping. And I wish I'm so close to knowing that entire monologue off the top of my head and I just don't (laughs) have it down. I'm so close. Um, about, about how he took his friend camping and his friend broke his leg and he had to, you know, fireman carry his friend across the territory. And, you know, he, he, he lost some pieces of himself out there and he hasn't been the same since. And y'all just kind of stand there in stunned silence. And, uh, Vernon wrote that whole monologue and watching him do it was terrifying because he was just <laughs> like, I got this. And then I just watched him crank it out. There was like no pauses. It was just like flowing through into the Google document. 
And I was just like, Vernon, buddy. (laughs) What are you dealing with? Do you you have some (laughs) stuff you need to work out? But then you stand there and then I was just like, wait, I got a punchline for this. And then I just threw in the, uh, I'm just kidding. My friend John and I went inner tubing and he lost a flip flop. Missed that kid. Um, Which just kind of established this character of Robert telling these just really long, intense stories and just like messing with people and kind of hiding behind this facade of jokes and, uh, you know, tall tales and all that jazz. And it was so much fun to write him. And I think he has like the strongest voice of any character in the game. And I'm really proud of his path and how it came out. And, you know, on that third date, when you when he opens up to you or you can get him to open up to you, I think it uh, came together really nicely. Also, I was a I was a film major in college, so um, uh, we for some reason we just threw it started throwing in crap about um, about Robert being an avid film goer and um, um, like just talking incessantly about like Sam Fuller and um, making you as a character sit down and personally thank everyone in the credits. Uh, which, by the way, like the, the the his first day, you sneak into a movie theater and watch a movie, and um, uh, I don't know how many people picked up on this, but. Uh, the movie that they were watching was uh, What Happens in Vegas, starring Ashton Kutcher. Um, <laughs> and Cameron Diaz. Don't you dare leave Cameron I'm Diaz sorry, out I'm of this so equation. Sorry, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> sorry, Ashton Kutcher and Cameron Diaz. Um, and uh, uh, so we, we like vaguely described the movie, and when he's sitting there and thanking uh, people from the crew, those are just actual people from the crew that we found on IMDb. <laughs> really proud of that gag. <sighs> Incredible. Well, I feel like every character in this game is just like so distinctive. And like, I think when they're assembled as like a visual cast, they they definitely you can you can tell very quickly, like, or you think you can tell, oh, that's the nerdy guy. That's like the hipster. That's like the goth guy. But like, like, like you've been talking about, what's great to me is that these characters have deeper things going on. And like, they all have things um, most of their their narratives are about um, being a father and like you're able because it isn't just a game about one dad uh, you're able to have like a bunch of different things going on and it it works out in this really cool way where I think um, people are going to come away with like different experiences of it um, and um, just sort of different ideas about what that uh, what that's like. And so I am just like, I am like, so just like grateful for you guys making this game because it was a blast and um, really affecting too. Like I I said earlier, I expected to laugh and I didn't necessarily expect to be like, oh my God, I have such strong feelings for my daughter. (laughs) And like, oh, I've gotten really close to this guy, Matt. Like, oh, this is so great. Um, So thank you so much for coming on. This was, um, this was fantastic. And um I am so so glad that you were able to to come on to to tell me more um, and to to sort of share with our audience because this episode could have just been me rambling for twenty minutes, but I'm so <laughs> glad it was so much more than that. Oh, good! Thank you so much for having us, Mary. This was really great. After um, you know, like a solid month and a half of just crunch Anime Expo, Comic Con, and nonstop, you know, on the go interviews. Uh, so this is really great and relaxing just to be able to uh talk about all the minutiae of this game yeah thank you so much i really really appreciate it It was so fun getting to like just sort of uh remember all these characters and remember the writing process that um that felt so that was a long time but it felt 
it feels so short in my mind now, but those are some of the happiest memories of this game is just sitting with Leighton and then trying to make each other laugh. Well, I hope you two are able to get some rest. Um, I I hope you're able to take some breaks from cons and everything um, because it's well-deserved. And um, thank you again. Um, And if anyone listening has not yet played Dream Daddy, it's um, available now on Steam for uh, Windows, Mac, um, Linux. We're working. We're 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 in talks. You're okay. We're we're, we're yeah. Well, if you're running Linux, <laughs> just maybe look at your choices. Um, <laughs> God, I'm gonna get some some letters for that one. But um, I think that'll do it for this week. So thank you all for listening, um, and thank you guys for joining me. And um, I will talk to you all next week. Bye, kiddos. Dad feelings is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Dad Feelings is a part of Stay Me, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Me at dadfeelings.com support. Our theme music is Swell Content by Speedy Ortiz off their album Foiled Gear. Thanks to Car Park Records and Sadie Dupuy for letting us use it. Please mention us on Twitter we're at Dad Feelings and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>